It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Together, we make up your only daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. You can find us on YouTube. Subscribe there. You can find us anywhere you get your audio podcast delivered whether it's Apple, Google Play, Spotify, et cetera. Make sure you follow the podcast on any of those platforms to get it delivered right to you on a daily basis. And hey, if, we're, if you're listening to us in your car on your way to work, thanks for making us your first listen of the day. And if you're not, join the first listen club. I hear it's pretty cool. James, we're going to start with a bunch of news. We haven't done news in a while. There really wasn't much in the way of nude-breaking developments out of Paul Brown Stadium during the bye week. We talked to Zach Taylor last week. We talked to Brian Callahan last week and yesterday. So if you missed any of those last reminder, or maybe second to last reminder to go check out all of last week episodes. If you took the bye week off, like the Bengals, we have conversations with Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, Joe Goodberry. So a lot of really good content out there, but some news items as the team reconvened coming out of the bye week and Jesse Bates, CJ Uzama, among others, talked to the media and we'll talk about Jesse Bates in the second segment before we reset expectations for the second half of the season in the third part of the show. But to start, James, some some roster moves. Brandon Wilson and Akeem Davis-Gaither likely out for the year or out for the year in Brandon Wilson's case, certainly. Akeem Davis-Gaither said to be going for surgery and likely out for the year. So the corresponding moves, Michael J. Thomas has been signed from the practice squad to play safety. He takes Brandon Wilson's spot on the 53-man roster. Uh, we, we talked about the linebacker the Bengals signed last week. He made his practice debut today. And Austin Kalitra, who was with the team last year, is back with the team on the practice squad, James. And those are the big news stories of the day, which kind of begs the question of, okay, they've got a guy to, to play safety. If it's Michael Thomas, if if it's Trayvon Henderson as a game day call up, we'll see. But mm-hmm. who's going to return kicks? Because last week when when Wilson got hurt, or I guess two weeks ago now, it was Darius Phillips. Will that continue? Will Chris Evans get his chances? Will others emerge? Who's going to return kicks is a big question. Yeah, it is a big question. I mean, I, I want to give. I just don't want to forget this because while we were doing all of the awesome interviews that I hope you guys go back and watch and listen to if you haven't yet, whether it's Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, Goodberry, we had Mike uh, on as well, Bengals Sands. But um, the COVID-19 mini outbreak that the Bengals are dealing with right now, so Chidobe Awuji went on the COVID-19 uh, reserve list, came back off of it, so that's good news. 
Marcus Bailey still on it as we record this on Monday evening. The Bengals sounded optimistic that he's going to get taken off of it. But then they put Mitch Mitchell Wilcox on the COVID-19 reserve list on Monday. So just something to monitor, especially because when they did play the Browns, the Browns are dealing with some COVID-19 issues. Um, so hopefully that's it. Hopefully everybody's well, healthy and, and can come off of the, the list by game day. Does that mean Thaddeus Moss gets his practice squad call up? Is is he healthy right now? He's healthy, right? He, is, he was he is hurt. Healthy. He's back, yep. right? So yeah, there is a chance, I guess. Yeah, you're right that you see uh, Thaddeus Moss making his his Bengals potential Bengals debut, right? And uh, and so who knows there? But in a perfect world, Wilcox would be healthy for Sunday's game, and I, I still think there's a chance of that, even if it's an outside chance. But as far as kickoff returns go, to me, it's simple. I know what Darius Phillips is and it isn't good at returning anything right now. I, I think he's been, you want to talk about And we're not really going to do this today, but biggest disappointments, Darius Phillips, the punt returner has been like, to me, awful. Like without looking at stats, it's just the eye test. It's been bad. You know, he goes uh, East and West more than North and South. And so, yeah, they might put him in a kickoff returns initially, but Chris, Chris Evans to me, just bigger, extremely fast. I think he's, he's going to be reliable hands wise, as long as he can make those decisions that you need to make as a returner uh, on kickoffs, especially with the short kicks and stuff like that, as long as he can do that, I would give him a shot. I would, I would start him this week against the Raiders. And uh, hopefully that's just the start. We talked to Brian Callahan about it. Uh, I didn't want to tip my hand, but I probably did. I would get 25 involved a ton in the final eight games. I, I, I think he could be uh, their secret weapon of sorts. Uh, over the final eight weeks. And I think they feel that way too, for what it's worth. He just had that hamstring injury after the Lions game. And we dedicated two whole questions to our conversation with Brian Callahan hey. to a guy who's played 8%, I think I saw on an athletic article this week of the Bengals snap so far this year. And some of that, like you said, James, due to the hamstring injury. Yeah. Uh, I, I talked to him about his pass protection. He's been impressive in that regard for a young mm -hmm. player making his uh, NFL debut this season. I think that he's going to be a little bit buried as far as kick returns go, though. He, he's, I think, going to be more likely to get action on offense than in the kick return game, but I would be happy to be wrong about that. I don't think we have a new official depth chart yet, but based on the depth chart, the only other guy listed a kickoff return on Bengals.com's version of the depth chart anyway is Darius Phillips. Mm -hmm. But the other guy who has done some returning is Trenton Irwin. So Trent Irwin's another guy to keep an eye on, I think, that, that might get in the mix for some kick returns. He, he's been back for punts, obviously, a couple times. He also has – he was back for a kick return. I don't think he actually has a kick return that's gone out of the end zone or anything like that. But uh, besides Darius Phillips, who has four kick returns this season, that that's really it. And the thing is, Brandon Wilson never really got going this year as a kick returner the way that mm -hmm. we've seen him do in the past, he didn't break off any big kick returns. So it's not like they're losing a guy who's been terribly successful this year. And as skilled as we know, Brandon Wilson is and explosive as he has been in the past in this area, they haven't had the big plays there yet. So that being said, maybe they can find a spark going forward, find somebody who can give them what they haven't had yet. Not to take anything away from Brandon Wilson again, and we wish him well in his recovery and, yeah, maybe as James holds up 2-5 on YouTube, maybe it is Chris Evans. I, I wouldn't be opposed. Uh, but they should do. But at the same time, James, would it not be more important 
to get him, you know, 20% of the snaps, 15% of the snaps per game on offense instead of a couple of kick returns? Wouldn't you rather see him get more offensive snaps than special team snaps? The answer is both. <laughs> well, I, but, you right, know, that, that wasn't the question. Wouldn't you rather yeah. him get more offensive snaps than special team snaps if you had to choose? Maybe, but I again, it, it can be both because it's still that minimal, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you had to choose, probably offense. And it's probably putting him in the slot and making him run routes, honestly, and in, in, in doing it that way. Because that's where I think he gives you an element, maybe as a runner, but certainly as a, a pass catcher out of the backfield and lining him up as a wide receiver where you can motion him and all that stuff. So no, I just think he's got more upside there. And Darius Phillips has been really underwhelming and, you know, maybe he'll turn the page and be better in the second half of the season. And that, that would go, you know, and bode well for the Bengals chances. But the way I, I look at it, yeah, I think Chris Evans could, uh, could have a major impact and you no know, Trent Irwin maybe, but uh, I, I do agree though. I think it's probably Darius Phillips is the leader for better or worse for the Bengals going into Sunday's game. Here's why I'm okay with that, because mostly kick returns are not going to be touchdowns, mostly. Like, you might get one kick return touchdown a year on average for some teams, maybe maybe not even one. And if Chris Evans isn't really comfortable doing that job, and Darius Phillips is comfortable doing that job, then I'm not rushing, right? That's the only thing, right, is I'm not rushing a guy who's inexperienced out there because the upside is is like worse than the downside of a bad kick returner or something going wrong, if that makes any sense. Coming up sure. next, James, let's talk Jesse Bates and his somewhat controversial, perhaps, comments today in his presser coming out of the bye week. In life, we're all bound for different things, but with beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for the togetherness, bound for immersion, or maybe you rebound for encountering the unexpected. Look, when I'm at the beach or I'm at a beach resort, it's simple. You got an umbrella drink, you got your feet up, and you're enjoying the sunlight. And that's uh, that's it. That's what I'm doing. And if you're in Cincinnati right now, you're not getting much sunlight. But you can change that with beachbound.com and find the perfect beach vacation for you no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Speaking of sunny things and whatnot, there's a a weather phenomenon happening where I live right now on the west coast of Canada. And I I kid you not, James, it is called a Pineapple Express is is the name of this weather phenomenon. Really? it's been they they do metric here so it's been 20 centimeters of rain in two days and that's like i don't know eight nine inches of rain it's been pouring since saturday night and i think it's just now starting to let up uh so speaking of going to a beach i wouldn't mind that And, and maybe jesse bates was thinking about you know being on a beach Instead of playing football, judging from his comment in his press conference today, it sounds like he was a little bit distracted in the first half of the season and wants to hold himself to a higher standard going forward. 
it as well as I wanted to. Um, I'm just happy that we're in a situation to win ball games. Honestly, this is um, the best situations we've been in in my four years here, going into a bye weekend. So um, it's not more about the personal level, obviously. Like I said, that I have to play better for us to win games, and I know that I haven't played um, up to that level, um, but I think I can. Uh, and like I said, I I feel like my mind was honestly it was, it was on other things uh, throughout the first part of the season. Um, and for me to be able to accept that and talk to, you know, former coaches at Wake Forest and former players um, and talk to other guys, my former teammates about their situation and um, really put it in perspective, like, hey, bro, like, nobody's feeling sorry for you, man. Like, you got to go out there and perform, uh, whether, you know, things have gone your way the first half of the season or not. So, um, like I said, I keep, I keep repeating it. I can't be thankful enough for this bye weekend because it's it's really helped me mentally um, going into the second part of the season. And I hope my teammates can see it as well. What do you think, James? Well, the first thing, I was at least a bit surprised he was so honest, right? I, it would be hard for me to admit that. And, and even though it is pretty obvious, right, with everything lingering that, you know, a lot of us would probably struggle with that. The fact that he's like, yeah, look, my, you know, my mind was on other things. And he went on to say, and we're not going to play the whole news conference. You're listening to Locked on Bengals, not Jesse Bates on Bengals. But uh, he, he went on to, to say um, why those conversations were so important and, and the, the people he were, was talking to that are outside of football. And it just gave him perspective. And so when I look at Bates, and I look at the Bengals and where they're at, and we can kind of tie all of this together because I think that this is the perfect opportunity for Jesse Bates. He was a star last year. The Bengals stunk, right? And so he didn't get the accolades that he uh, felt he probably deserved and that a lot of fans felt he deserved for what he did last year. Well, if he stars and shines and just balls out the final eight games of this season, and is a, a big reason why they're in the playoff conversation or maybe helps them get to the playoffs. He's going to get those accolades, even after this weird start where he's got 55 tackles in eight games, which doesn't look bad, right? An interception, which is only two off of what he had all of last year. But we, we see it. The impact just hasn't been there the same way it was uh, a season ago. So if he can have that impact and help the Bengals make the playoffs, then he's going to get paid. The Bengals are going to be happy. Fans are going to be, everybody wins. And so I, if, if I was one of those people that he reached out to, I would say, what an opportunity you have right now. You're 24. You have a chance to secure a huge contract and a chance to go to the playoffs for the first time in your career. And, and hopefully that's where he is. Because when you get wrapped up in that contract stuff and it goes from camp to season and you look up and suddenly it's mid-November. And I think that might be the case right now for Jesse Bates. And hopefully he was able to collect his thoughts and regroup here during the bye, like he said. Yeah, the, there are a couple of things that have been really noticeable about Jesse Bates this year in terms of differences from last year that are more akin to how he played in 2019 than 2020. Just looking from a statistical perspective, he's giving up catches like he did in 2019 when he's a primary guy in coverage, which was around 75%. He's at 75% this year compared to 2020 and 2018 gave up 55 ish percent of passes into his coverage for, for catches. So 20% more of his targets are turning into catches. 
And the other biggest diff, well, there's two more. The the other big statistical difference is last year, he only had the three interceptions, sure, but he had 12 pass breakups. And you can think back to last year, the Jesse Bates highlight reel is him getting the sideline verticals, coming down on crossers yeah. and breaking up passes. Mm-hmm. Rack your brain. This year, he's made some hits, but does he have any? What, what's your guess on how many pass breakups he's charted for? And I'm using PFF for this, so maybe you have another uh, source. But what do you what I, do you think? I think I someone said one, and I don't know if that's PFF or not. I thought I heard that that he has one. Is it one? So one would be generous by PFF. It's zero. PFF has him charted at zero. Zero pass breakups. <sighs> In 2021. So, and so he had 12 last year, according to PFF. I'm just, and and yeah, he had 12 last year. He had six a year before. And so, where has that element of his game gone? And, and one potential clue here is the Bengals are playing two high safeties way more. Mm -hmm. Jesse Bates' alignment hasn't changed this year on a percentage basis. I went back and I looked. He's playing slot corner just as much as he's playing free, just as much as he's playing in the box just as much as he's playing, um, you know, other alignments as he did last year. The big difference this year is Von Bell is playing high safety way more. And so across the league, we've seen this theme of going from single high structures to a lot more too high shells and then rotating out of too high if you want to, or just staying too high. And you've Mm -hmm. heard this talked about a lot with Patrick Mahomes and slowing down the Chiefs offense. And what do you do? Well, you stay too high the entire game and you make Patrick Mahomes be patient. The Bengals have done some of this, and while they still do play probably more single-high stuff than you know a Brandon Staley team in Los Angeles where the two-high is your bread and butter and you rotate everything out of that for the most part, it's a lot more this year than last year. Von Bell already, through about half his games, has, has played almost as many free safety alignment snaps as he did all of last year. That's a huge, huge difference and leads to Jesse Bates having different responsibilities based on the defensive design, which could be taking him some time to get used to, could be mm-hmm. taking away opportunities for him to make plays on passes. And so it's it's a little bit more complicated than just stats and grades because there's been a schematic shift. But these are the things that stand out to me when comparing their seasons. Yeah, his and, seasons. and so a, a couple things there and we could tie it all. One, you certainly hope Bates is just more comfortable in the second half and can make plays. And like, for example, the Donovan Peoples Jones, a catch on the sidelines in week nine, um, towards the end of the game, half of you probably weren't even watching still, but uh, Bates crushed him. But, and I'd have to go back and watch it, but you'd love for him to be there early enough to make a play on the ball. And it obviously didn't happen. And I don't think that's necessarily his fault. Again, I'd have to watch, but those are the type of things where it's like, well, damn, normally he's there and he would make that play or you'd expect him to. Um, but yeah, you hope he's better at that in the second half. The other thing is, is Lou's still going to have to show he can adjust, especially after the past couple of weeks. And, and so maybe it's, oh man, we're not getting the production out of our top safety. The guy who I think without a doubt, regardless of how you feel about the defense right now, coming into the year, we thought was easily the best player on defense for the Bengals. And he hasn't been through nine games. So how do they fix that and put him in a position to make more plays? Hopefully it's a mixture of both and they can maximize him along with the rest of the roster, of course, but maximize his talents because 
if you keep getting this same level of baits, I, I don't know. I mean, is there any other one, any other guy that's going to emerge as a star? Because I think he's he's one of the the only options on defense that has that star potential that can really change a game with big plays. And that's the conversation I think we need to have as we look forward to the second half of the season, James, is will the defense be more like one through seven or more like eight and nine? And will Joe Burrow get the interceptions? Will we see some regression there perhaps? Or will he continue to put the ball in danger and, and cost the team at times? And some of these trends, some big games, we're going to take a look at the schedule a little bit and reset expectations and questions for the second half of the season as we wrap up the show coming up next. But first, I got to tell you about GetUpside because it is a free app that is going to save you money on every gallon every time you fill up. Look, no one wants to put gas in their car and pay all the money it takes to fill up your tank once a week, maybe twice a week if you drive a lot, or even if it's once every two weeks. So if you can save money for free, well, you, you want to do it, right? Well, you can with GetUpside. All you got to do is go to your app store or Google Play right now and download it. And you're going to make up to 25 cents off per gallon every time you fill up. And right now with promo code TOUCHDOWN, you're going to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon off on your first fill up. It's up to 50 cents off per gallon. That's going to add up, especially if you drive a Daewoo like I do. It's a gas guzzler. So check them out right now in the App Store or, or Google Play. Again, get upside. It's one word, G-E-T-U-P-S-I-D-E. And use promo code TOUCHDOWN to save up to 50 cents off per gallon every time you fill up. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. James, there are one, two, three, four, eight games left. You had to count? The Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. Well, it's different this year. They have 17 games now. It's confusing. Uh <laughs> They, they go to Vegas, obviously, this week, and we're going to start yeah. talking about Vegas probably tomorrow. Then they get Pittsburgh, Vegas, Los Angeles, the, the Chargers, then San Francisco, Denver, Baltimore, Kansas City, Cleveland. Out of their last eight opponents, seven of the eight are in the AFC, and six of those eight are comfortably trying to get into the playoffs and Denver may be, maybe not. They're kind of more on the fringe than some of these other teams, but the AFC is a very muddled and tight race and they start with Vegas. And this is another team that is in a similar situation to the Bengals from a win loss perspective and from a needing to get in probably as a wild card perspective, but th they also have a game against a similar situation in Pittsburgh. And then a game against a similar situation. Sorry, not in Pittsburgh, against Pittsburgh, against Cincinnati. And then the Chargers come to Cincinnati. Similar situation, right? And so mm -hmm. their next three games against teams in very similar situations to them from a playoff chase perspective, in some ways, in some other aspects, there are similarities here. I think these next three games 
are going to be pretty important. I think they're all important. I think it's very much a week-by-week schedule here as long as they don't just lose an X3 and take mm-hmm. themselves out of things. So, that, you know, even if they lose to Vegas, the next two games still really important because then you get to seven and five or whatever, and you're right back in the race with wins over teams that are in, this, in the same hunt, which is why I think, yeah, Vegas is important, but all of their games right now, as long as they don't go on a losing streak, are going to be very important for the rest of the year. Yeah, it, it, look, they're matched up against a lot of the teams that they're going to be uh, either right above or right below in the standings. And it can change quickly. I know fans feel differently today than they did uh, last Tuesday, right? After everything that had happened and everything that transpired, you look up and the Bengals uh, you know, are in last. Well, now they're not. They're in third and they have a win over the Steelers. So they hold a tiebreaker and they're just a half game back after that tie against Detroit. You're only a game behind the Ravens in, in the uh, in the AFC North. So you feel better about where you're at. Um, and, and so that's the thing. I, I don't even think it's just wild card. Like I think the division, I, I don't expect them necessarily to win the division. But for those that are saying, hey, the Bengals can still win the North, I buy that. Like I buy the path. But it, there's a lot of things that have to happen, of course, on the field for that to happen. And you're right. I, I don't it would be really discouraging if they go to Vegas and lose to a team that's dropped two straight, that is going to be playing for its lives too. Uh, Cause I think they play the chiefs or, or not the chiefs. They play the Cowboys. I think they, they have a, a tough schedule. The Raiders do over the next couple of weeks after the Bengals. Um, so yeah, they're going to be playing for it for a lot, but if the Bengals drop three straight, it's just hard to, to fathom that and them still finding a way to make the playoffs, not saying it's impossible, but um this team is right there and they just got to start winning games. And I think that's probably Zach or not. Probably it is it's Zach Taylor's message. And that's why they're so like calm right now. You look up, you beat, you beat the Raiders, you beat the Steelers. And then suddenly, you know, you're seven and four and you feel really, really good about the direction of things. And you're probably right there with the Ravens in the top of the AFC North. Yeah. And that's why every game is going to be so incredibly important and a lot of what it comes down to is i think this team is going to be tested in ways they weren't in the first half in a lot of ways too the first half containing games against new york detroit jacksonville chicago which we've talked about some of the teams that vegas sees as you know some of the worst five six teams in the nfl just looking at not the raiders but looking at the casinos odds in vegas for for what things look like for these teams and the kind of the kind of lines they're getting in the second half, what's going to happen with Luana Rimo's defense? It's easy to kind of make fun of, of Derek Carr and, and the Raiders offense, and they've had certainly their share of distractions this year with John Gruden, you know, his removal from the NFL now suing the NFL, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, with, with Henry Ruggs and, and all of the tragedy going on around his case in, in Vegas. And so – they've had their share of tribulations, but this is still a team that is right in the thick of things, at least right now. And mm-hmm. the Bengals could either keep them in the thick of things or knock them effectively out of the race. And, and there's an uphill battle for them if they lose this game. But the challenges will be, how does the defense answer the bell? And Jesse mm-hmm. Bates kind of alludes to this. They need to play better. And they play against some teams. You give up, what, 34 to the Jets? Is that right? Yeah, 34 to the Jets. Vegas has a much better offense. 
Los Angeles has a much better offense. Kyle Shanahan has given them fits when they've played against his offenses in San Francisco, even if they've had issues at quarterback this year. Then they get Baltimore and Kansas City who might be figuring it out, and then they have to finish the season at Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So for the defense, yeah, they have a game against Pittsburgh who currently still looks as defunct as they have all year. They have another game against Baltimore who's going to come out presumably with a new and improved game plan, and they have a game against Denver who's a bit of a weird team this year. But there's some real tests for this defense that seems to have lost its footing that made us believe in them for the first seven games of the year. Yeah, I don't believe in them. And they're, I, I'm back to week one. Going into week one, what did I say? I talked about 30 points, and I, I, did, I the, the defense is just – because, look, even the guy I thought was really, really good and going to make a, a pretty big impact and be the best player on defense, Jesse Bates, well, he hasn't been that. And so I think DJ Reader is really, really good. Outside of that, Trey Hendrickson, good at sacks but limited. Sam Hubbard, good at the run most of the time, but limited. And I know he's racked up some sacks in recent weeks and he played well against Cleveland. Well, okay. Well, what with that, that Cleveland game was over before it started. So, and it was their like fourth right tackle. But yes, that, continue. Look at you just piling on. I, I didn't want to mention just a lot of Trey on. Hendrickson's <laughs> production has come against backup left tackles, too, to be fair. I mean, it goes for both of them, but continue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and then the linebackers now suddenly super thin at linebacker behind the big two, which is Logan Wilson and, and Jermaine Pratt. Are they a big two? Well, we'll call it that. Uh, after cornerback one, some questions. So so there's depth questions everywhere. And uh, and so, no, I, I don't think they're the 27th best defense. I also don't think they're the seventh best defense. They're probably 17th or 19th. And then that ties into the other topic we want to get into in the second half. You mentioned it, Joe Burrow and the interceptions. Because if Joe Burrow throws 11 interceptions in eight games, or let's just say nine, because he threw nine interceptions in the first eight games nine interceptions in the second half. Well, I think that's going to go a long way towards the Bengals not making the playoffs. If he plays really, really well and maybe throws four interceptions in the second half, well, then I think that they have a, a real shot to, to make a run here at the division and uh, or, or the playoffs regardless in the wild card, but certainly at the division if he plays at a really high level. And so answer that question. If we, If I knew that, if you showed me Joe Burrow's stats for the final eight games, I'd be confident I could predict what the Bengals are, where they are. Playoffs, not playoffs, division, not division. As, as simple as that sounds, and, and you're probably going to hate that I said that, but yeah, I, I, I really do. I think it's going to come down to him and come down to this offense playing at a really high level. It's obviously never that simple, and I don't think you believe it's that simple, but when you when you look at things retrospectively, things like passing stats, they're usually indicative of how your team has played in a game. So Joe Goodberry has been really on this train this year. He's like, the quarterback with a higher passer rating wins the game. And yeah, okay, that's that's probably true, but it's not predictive in any sense of the word. If you have a higher passer rating, all that means is your passing offense in this game has been better than the opposing team's passing offense. Usually the team with the better passing offense wins the game, right? We, we know this historically and especially in, in recent history. And so... Yeah, I mean, if you saw Joe Burrow's stats for the, if you if you could see, you know, he went for three hundred and three touchdowns and two eighty and two touchdowns and two picks, you probably know what happened in some of those games, or at least have a pretty good idea. So you're not wrong. It just it's it's obviously never that simple, right? There's a lot that sure. that goes into all that, like the timing of the interceptions. He had interceptions in games where it didn't really matter, and then he had interceptions in games where it was backbreaking. And some of the interceptions were his fault. Some of them were, as the coaches we've talked to have said, really good plays by the defense. Some of them were 
fluky plays. Some of them were tipped passes, whatever it is. But the, the concerning thing is, again, you look at PFF and the turnover where the play percentage is the same this year as last year. And we've seen major strides from Joe Burrow and his ability to throw the ball downfield in his his accuracy is just as good as it was last year. He's completing more passes, but, but to your point, James, and whether it's his fault or not, we need to see the turnovers get cleared up. I'm excited to see how he comes out of the bye week. If he's refreshed a little bit, played one of his worst games of the season against the Browns, just looking at, at how he's performed in mm-hmm. some of the other games. And some of that's when the game's out of reach and after the pick six, which is on him, it gets really hard to play offense against the Browns, but that's the other part of it. Absolutely. Is, is can he take care of the ball? Because it's not like the defense is racking up turnovers either, right? Even when things were going well, this team was, was not leading the league in turnovers by any stretch. They have a few opportunistic players and they're trying to punch the ball out, but that's something else. Just both sides, turnover battle, X factor, mm-hmm. every game, which way is it going to go in the second half? Yeah. For sure. And and honestly, maybe that is the path where Bates ends up with five interceptions this year. Awujie has a couple. Logan Wilson finds his way to, to a couple. And, and they just, instead of being this defense that's going to get a bunch of stops, maybe they just become opportunistic down the stretch. And, and that's the path. Because I really, I just don't think they're going to be that good defensively moving forward. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm dead wrong. It, it would be more fun if I was. But uh you know, outside of something really unforeseen, I just, I see a bunch of holes and I see a bunch of question marks and could a, a seven game, really uh, a seven game sample size. And a lot of those games were against inferior competition from a talent standpoint, it felt like, or questionable quarterbacks could, or young quarterbacks. Could that, uh, could that just be the outlier? I think it could. And and so it's, it's up to lose crew to, to prove me wrong. Plenty else we'll find out about in the second half. Trey Waynes and Xavier Sufilo both on the rehab field on Monday, according to reporters. Will they return? Will they get a little bit of a shot in the arm at corner in terms of depth? Will they get a shot in the arm at right guard depth? Because I don't know if Xavier Sufilo is getting a starting job back, but that's certainly a spot that we're still watching. Uh, we were watching it before the season. We're still watching it here going into week 11. And well, we'll be watching it this week, too, against the Raiders, although their strength is certainly their edge rush. They've got a generally really good pass rush, and the Chiefs held them in check, but that's really the first time this season they've been slowed down. And we'll start to talk about that matchup as we start to look ahead in the very near future. Until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.